0: Hello and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience Platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now, your host, Derek Dysart.
1: Welcome to Core Sampler. This episode, we're talking with Nick Wesselman. Nick is the Chief Technology Officer of Active Commerce. A commerce platform for the Sitecore platform. Uh, in addition to that, Nick has been working with Sitecore for many years. So welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks. Glad to be here. So uh, exactly how long have you been working with
2: Sitecore? Geez, I guess it was probably 2008. So that's going on eight years now. Wow. Which I wow. guess is a, a long time in the uh, uh, tech world. Definitely. But I, I think it was right as Sitecore six was coming out. So I know I definitely know some people who've been in it longer, but it's the platforms definitely come a way, long way even from six zero. Right,
1: and so now it wasn't really. I mean, it, it, kind of full disclosure. You and I both know each other. We've worked together for quite a while. Um, sure. But I know Sitecore was not kind of the first content management platform you had worked on. What kind of brought you to the the, the Sitecore platform?
2: Sure. Yeah. Previous to Sitecore, I was doing a lot of. uh Red Dot CMS, and before that, uh, probably mostly like bespoke content management in .NET and Java. Um, But I was actually introduced to Sitecore from some folks in the Red Dot CMS world. We were kind of uh, looking around for what was uh, new and great in the .NET CMS world. And um, it was actually Shannon Ryan from Nonlinear, I think, who first mentioned it. Uh, as a platform to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, uh, Darren Garnaccia uh, had just come over to Sitecore from Red Dot as well, and I, I knew him uh, fairly well from his time at Red Dot. Now, correct so, me if
1: I'm wrong, though. Red Red Dot is kind of more of uh, the style of CMS where it's a static site generator, correct?
2: Yeah, there were a couple pieces to the platform. I, I did work more on the in Red Dot CMS, which was... Uh, Actually, as as Darren uh, used to the analogy, Darren used to use is that it would bake the content for you gotcha. uh, versus uh, sort of a, a runtime where it's uh, frying the content, if you will. <laughs> Red Dot had a um, a sort of live component as well that uh, they actually called live server, and so in that case, you would actually publish um, that static content. From the Red Dot CMS into the Red Dot Live server, and then based on some XML tags in that content, it could apply personalization and things like that. So it was a little bit ahead of its time in that it was doing all this like cool personalization stuff before people were really talking about it. But it was just an, an odd platform. The the CMS was, uh, I think, mostly written in in COM and and uh, classic ASP. Sure, sure. And the uh, um, the live server was actually, a, I think, a, a software product they had acquired that was written in Java. Um, so it's quite was a
1: quite a mixture of different platforms, then.
2: Right, and there was this weird thing too called Red.xCMS, CMS, and and then Open Text bought it, and and I, I don't, I guess, it still exists as as in some form, but was was not a very flexible platform. So moving over to Sitecore, where you have you know basically the ability to manipulate any behaviors even in the cms itself through pipelines or events or what have you was was a big change and uh and kind of eye-opening
1: sure sure so i mean i, I think any developer who's done any sort of work on Sitecore so far is in their googling for an answer to a question has probably stumbled across your blog i guess how did you how did you get so kind of so deep so fast
2: on the platform it's mm, a good question i think uh partially out of necessity I mean, we kind of um, dove right into a, a pretty large and, and complex uh, project as soon as we uh, got into Sitecore. and I'd say in part just um, you know kind of natural curiosity and you know Sitecore, um I think still kind of encourages you to you know pop open DLLs and in, in your favorite decompiler and kind of exploring and seeing how the platform works um, and. You know, um, Helps you understand it a lot faster, uh, and and frankly, in, in at least in, in some parts of the site core kernel and assemblies, kind of shows you what uh, good code looks like. Um, so just kind of exploring through the kernel and 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 doing project implementations got me pretty deep in it pretty quickly, um, and then just kind of my. I guess natural uh desire to, to share knowledge kinda of led me to, to doing some posts around it and yeah, I think hopefully a few people have found them helpful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know, I I know I have. There is uh you know, I think when you and I used to work together we there, there was always a joke on the team that inevitably we'd trying to be searching for a problem, we'd come back to one of your blog posts. So yeah, and I I, I definitely can can reiterate the open things. I, I was talking with a developer the other day and, uh, you know, they were, they were at, they were new to Psychora, and they were asking about the documentation and, and, uh, well, well, the, the documentation has gotten a ton better. I, you know, I, I kind of joke that the documentation used to be, you know, encapsulated in a program called reflector. Um, and you would end up having to kind of dig everything out of the, the kernel modules. So yeah, I think we've all definitely been there. So now you're, you're with active commerce. Um, You've been with Active Commerce how long now? Is it like three years?
2: Yeah, uh, as I'd say, as a full-time gig, about three years now, I think. Uh-huh. And what was the genesis of that product? So I think uh, a lot of people know that Active Commerce kind of started as a uh, internal sort of commerce toolkit for uh, Sitecore inside of Hanson Dodge. Um, we'd done a. A couple projects that had some sort of either product catalog or, or commerce element uh, on site core in Hanson Dodge and kind of saw the pattern continuing. So we wanted to just sort of create an accelerator that would let us build these sites faster and, and, and less, frankly, less expensively for our, uh, our customers. So we kind of created this toolkit, and and it wasn't just like a set of APIs. It actually had some pre-built uh, um, front end mm-hmm. for that catalog and checkout and so on. Um, but we realized pretty quickly that you know it was something that we could productize, um, that other partners would benefit from, and and that, um, frankly, that would be easier to sell uh, to uh, customers who maybe. Uh, we're using uh, different Sitecore partners, uh, if it was just a product that, that those other partners could implement.
1: Sure, sure. You know, and at so, the time, if I remember right, it was, I mean, and it, I, I still think to this day, it was based on Sitecore's e-commerce extensions, wasn't
2: it? Right. Yeah. So when we started to create this framework uh, at the time, you actually had a couple options for commerce on Sitecore. There was Uh, what was then called Sitecore E-Commerce Fundamentals and Sitecore E-Commerce Enterprise. Uh, Sitecore E-Commerce Enterprise was essentially an an OEM insight. Um, It doesn't really exist anymore uh, other than as insight for Sitecore. Uh And then Sitecore E-Commerce Fundamentals became Sitecore E-Commerce Services. And so... uh, at the time, seeing that SES was at least intended to be kind of the future of building commerce on Sitecore, we we used that as a basis, and provided some base structures for, you know, uh, doing a catalog on Sitecore for executing payments for shopping cart and so on. Sitecore's obviously kind of moved on from that. Um, we still use it quite a bit, but um, it's it had a lot of shortcomings and both functionality wise. Um, Kind of poor use of iOC in places poor API design, but because it did use and does use unity, um, we were able to swap out a lot of the the guts of it f- and uh, enhance it quite a bit, add things like support for u s sales tax and promo codes sure um,
1: sure and when you say unity also, what do you what what are you referring to
2: that's microsoft uh, unity and and not the game development platform, but the the um, iOC container
1: sure. So it's Microsoft's version of Control Container. And if I recall correctly, Sitecore e-commerce services was heavily
2: based on on, on that container technology, correct? Correct. Um, for Active Commerce 4.0, we're actually um, replacing it. So Sitecore has open sourced SES at this point. So um, we're, we're frankly finally able to make some changes that we've wanted for a long to do for a long time. Uh, and among those is uh, replacing Unity, um, actually with Simple Injector. But okay. um, uh, at least the way we're designing it, you won't, you don't be, you won't be working directly with Simple Injector. We're we're doing a bit of a IOC no-no in, in kind of abstracting the the container. But um, I think for the purposes of us as a product, it, it makes sense. It's a pretty light abstraction.
1: Sure. Sure. So, shifting gears a bit, I guess, having been in the Sitecore developer community for you know eight years now, uh, what do you think are, are some of the challenges you see a lot of Sitecore developers facing?
2: For developers, uh, that's a good question. I think the, uh, you know, like many technologies right now, things are shifting quickly, so um, there's always new best practices and new pieces of, of Sitecore to learn. I mean, Sitecore at this point is a really really deep platform and a really wide platform as well and by that i mean you know in addition to just creating you know sites in Sitecore, you also have um pieces of the marketing platform that are entirely their own domain would be engagement plans or reporting um you have uh web forms for marketers that's kind of its own thing um you have obviously Sitecore's own commerce platform. You have, geez, Sitecore Speak if you want to. Um, uh, if you have maybe a, a bit of a, a masochistic streak in yourself.
1: <laughs> um, so now Speak is just a for the listeners that may not know that's yeah. that Sitecore's kind of UI framework for its its authoring environment, correct? Correct.
2: Yeah. So you used to have uh, Sheer. Uh, and you still do have Shear, frankly, f- which was the Sitecore's internal UI framework for the content editor and some other UIs. And they've kind of been slowly moving towards Speak, Sitecore um, process, something, something, something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've heard it
1: once, too, and I can't remember what the, what it stands for.
2: But that's sort of a, using more you know modern JavaScript frameworks underneath the hood and allows you to assemble these UIs as Sitecore items in the core database. And I think the concept is good in, in Sitecore uh, um, in Speak 2.0 and beyond is trying to make it it's a little more efficient to work in. But for the, the time being, the the challenge seems to be just a um, uh, bit of the, the tediousness of, of wiring up those UIs.
1: Sure, sure. And real-time follow-up, it's Sitecore Process Enablement and an Accelerator Kit. So I'm sure there was a bunch of people in their car yelling at us
2: that we didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> we should know that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but just kind of sorry, just kind of getting back to the question, I'd say that you know the platform being so wide, I think is a is a big challenge. So I, I don't think you can know all of it, but um, I, I do think uh, it behooves site core developers to try and and learn more of it than just you know building sites.
1: Sure, sure. Now you do, uh, in addition to kind of your chief technology officer role with Active Commerce and and a chief architect there, you you also do all the training for Active Commerce and, and certified developers for you know implementing Active Commerce. So I, I I would imagine you get an exposure to quite a few developers
2: in the, in the community, correct? Right, and and maybe through the the occasional uh, anonymous uh, support ticket response as well. Sure. Uh huh. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, I guess what, what do you see kind of the, you know, having gone through, I think I saw you post on Twitter the other day, you guys are over a hundred certified developers on active commerce, I guess. What do you, what do you kind of see or what shortcomings do you see or knowledge gaps, if you will, that you kind of consistently see across uh the folks you, you end up taking through your course? Sure.
2: And so I was thinking about this a little bit and um, you know, you kind of get, Two classes of developers that come through the training, and the first is you know the either you know, MVPs or folks who've been working on Sitecore for a while. Most of those come from partners, but I think you know if anything, doing you know training and, and support has um, kind of made me realize how prevalent the the dark matter developers are. And I think it, it was Hanselman who coined the term, and uh, these are folks who are maybe working internally at a customer and mostly in a maintenance role. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But you know, when in building and, and architecting solutions, we kind of have to keep that in mind. I mean, these are folks who might not be full stack developers. They aren't reading.NET and SiteCore blogs every day. Mm-hmm. They may not know about things like dependency injection or, or solid principles or even in uh, the sitecore world, you know, how to create a pipeline processor. And I've seen in, um, you know, training folks who are Sitecore certified who who even you know, struggle to create a Sitecore template um, at times. And again, that's that's fine. I'm not I don't, I'm not trying to knock these folks, but I, as architects or as implementers of Sitecore who are going to be handing off code to folks, you need to kind of realize that it's not just about making your Code work. It's about building it in the simplest, most elegant way that gets the job done, so that you know other developers can easily go into the code, see what's happening, and, and maintain it without it breaking. So you uh, um, you, you don't want to build fragile code, and you want to build it. Uh, you know you know uh, uh, with those solid principles so that you know these folks um aren't going to struggle with it
1: sure sure you know and I do run into a, a few folks you know that would probably hear what we were talking about before and hear IOC and wonder oh, what is what is that it's you know I, I I sometimes I do take it for granted you know that um a lot of developers you, you know it's an assumption they know what inversion and control is and kind of what 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 that brings to the table but like you you're right you you kind of you find a lot of other developers who are, you know, and they're doing maintenance for, you know, and they're they're doing great on their internal systems. And uh it may they may not have had a need to to get into what are, you know, some of these some of these kind of more technical architectural principles um or, or haven't run into it. So I I would guess, you know, given that a lot of active commerce is is based on um as you mentioned, even going back to, to early days based on Microsoft's inversion and control container, I, I would imagine it's, it's a challenge for, for some folks coming to the platform if, that's, if they're completely new to that, plus trying to ha- wrap their head around Sitecore and active Commerce.
2: Right. Yeah. And in training, we try to, um, you know, very early on, talk about the things that Active Commerce does that are different from your, your typical Sitecore project. And that includes things like, you know, using inversion of control. And I try to give at least a a cursory introduction to it. Um, And, you know, the way we structure our product URLs and the fact that we, you know, have a commerce domain model. These are all things that you have to know in addition to knowing Sitecore when you work with active commerce. Um, But we get pretty good feedback on the training, and we try to make um, a lot of these things, uh, you know, transparent to people working in active commerce and actually in our next release when we can move more from, uh, a greater percentage of our container use from service location to true dependency injection. Um, I think that'll be even more so the case. And for folks out there who maybe don't understand the difference, first off, go read Martin Fowler's article on, uh, inversion of control. But the basic idea is, are you interacting with the container directly or are you just letting the container build your object graph if you're doing the latter then you know once things are kind of wired up for you then the fact that there's a container becomes a, um almost irrelevant to you in, in in your actual code
1: yeah it definitely is a you know it's a different mindset it took me a while to get my head around it of you know yeah i think Fowler's our article is a is is a good introduction if if folks aren't familiar with the the process but you know, it's a lot of times it's hey, you know what? I don't, I don't need to create this object. Something else is going to create it for me and pass me, you know, some sort of reference to it so that I can interact with it.
2: The Fowler article is a good place to start, and then when when you're ready to go deep, which I think every .NET developer should, the Mark Seaman um, book Dependency Injection in NET is just really excellent, and I think a, a great um, introduction to dependency injection. Uh, just as a concept, but also, you know, patterns and anti-patterns, you know, why you should use constructor injection over property injection and um, what is method injection, just all, all kinds of uh, both semantics and principles and, and so on that I think are important to understand.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll get links to those in the show notes uh, that goes with this episode so people can check those out. I'm um, Not familiar with the book itself, but, um, you know, just kind of in my own travels, there's 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 a fair amount of um yeah, there's a fair amount of blog posts out there that, that cover that and uh, I am struggling to remember that somebody had a really good presentation once uh that I, I think I saw on YouTube that kind of cemented it home for me. Um yeah, you know, along the lines of taking a normal object and then converting it to something that can be instantiated with some sort of IOC,
2: uh IOC container and kind of understanding what's going on. Right. Well, and it really, I think it really cements it when you start to apply it with unit testing and mocking. The idea that, you know, if you, I truly want to test a piece of code, a class, and its methods independent of any others, then I need some way to, you know, supply those dependencies to that class rather than have it having a hard reference to, say, uh, you know, the product repository. Um, that way, my Product controller say I can provide a, a mock product repository and just test the logic within it, and that's that's true unit testing there. Um, so and you, when you start combining the two together, I think that's what when the light bulb really goes off for a lot of developers.
1: Sure, sure. So kind of taking things back to Sitecore, and what uh, what do you, what do you think are some of the non obvious things? You know, somebody new to the platform should, should focus on or, or, or try and come up to speed with, uh, you know, if they're, if they're new to the Sitecore platform, say I'm an ASP.net developer, maybe I've worked on another, uh, another ASP.net platform. Um, you know, whether it's a CMS, you know, doing custom, custom, you know, ASP.net applications, or I'm coming from another CMS, I guess, you know, if you had your advice for someone new to Sitecore, uh, you know, what are some gotchas, what are some things you should,
2: you know, should keep an eye on? Sure. I mean, I'd say, you know, first of all, take a look at Sitecore Habitat. Uh, I think, you know, one of the challenges or or shortcomings of the the Sitecore community is that we haven't really had uh, a, a standard way of implementing things. And that's had impact both on customers who are trying to, you know, not spend a fortune maintaining their solution, but also on developers who kind of don't have a, uh, a standard best practice guide to go to, and I think Habitat is—if uh, it's not that yet, it's it's close to being that sort of reference implementation that you can look at and say, "Okay, this is how I should implement Sitecore." Certainly, and I
1: I would I, I guess I would agree with that. It's it's and it goes beyond like how do I up implement it. It's how do I break this thing apart into into cohesive pieces that aren't tightly coupled to each other, and if pieces need to be coupled together
2: you know where where should that be done uh, right i guess i would echo that as well for uh, sure and then the, the next thing i would say is you know find and use um what psych, what people call a, a site core orm and i uh frankly i, I hate that term because it, the ORM means object relational mapper and Sitecore like data is, is maybe you know a few layers away relational but I'd call it maybe an, an OIM, an object to item mapper uh-huh. but in any case you know whether it be glass mapper, Fortis synthesis, what, I don't know, whatever people are using these days, I'm partial to glass myself but something that can you know wrap a Sitecore item and give you strongly typed access to its fields and not only does that make it, you know, your actual development, your code easier, your code cleaner and your development easier, but that comes back again to unit testing. If you can, you know, have a uh, testable object that's not dependent on um, the you know, the Sitecore item or directly on the Sitecore API, then that actually allows you to very easily write unit testable um, code or you know that's uh, not going to be impacted by by the Sitecore Item API, so that would be number two, and you know and number three to, to go back to the the uh, being a, an architecture astronaut. I mean, the uh, applying concepts of dependency injection and, and unit testing in your Sitecore work, it's a little more challenging, and I think Sitecore is aware of that, and, and hopefully is making some changes to make it easier to to use. Uh, dependency injection and to unit test um, your Sitecore code. But there's plenty of community documentation and, and tools out there to make it um, easy to do so. If you're doing low-level uh, work on the Sitecore item API that you do want to unit test, then you know check out FakeDB. It's a great project that I've been using a lot more myself lately and you know before fake DB there was no way to do this and at this point I think the next version of active commerce is going to have you know the most code coverage in, in terms of tests that we've ever then, that we've had as a platform mostly because of fake DB
1: sure and if you could uh, take a minute what what exactly is fake DB
2: so the idea of, of fake DB is that um, we want to actually make it possible to unit test um, site APIs from Sitecore kernel and uh, traditionally, that's not possible because there are all these dependencies in the, you know, on, um, you know, whether it be a, a SQL server for Sitecore item data or Sitecore config files, or you know, logging or what have you. But um, the guys who've worked on, on FakeDB on Fake DB have um, implemented what's called a data provider to that actually allows you to construct a Sitecore content tree in memory. Um, as well as a number of other abstractions, or, or um, uh, uh, that basically allow you to write true unit tests um, around, uh, you know, the site core database, uh, site context, and things like that. Sure. So it's um, really pretty ingenious the way it works, and how easy it is to to just fake a content tree and you know test that my logic that depends on a site core item is works without having to actually, you know, fire up a Sitecore in IIS.
1: Yeah, so it kind of gets around the, the you know, the the, the shortcoming that's kind of been there for a while in terms of how do I write a unit test, um, knowing that all my code is dependent on there being uh, a full instance of site core behind the scenes with a exactly. SQL server and all that. So, yeah, that sounds definitely kind of slick. So, the um, yeah, it's definitely a good... Um, Good caveat. You know, and and kind of going back to, you know, you had mentioned the, the, the Psycor ORM, um, you know, or, or or OIM, as you, as you said, I I guess I would echo that as well. You know, and for, for folks that aren't kind of familiar with what that's, what's going on there is, you know, typically through Psycor's main uh, item APIs, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to access fields on your, on your items via, kind of kind of strings you may have sprinkled throughout your throughout your code and you know you maybe you you go through and and abstract those out into some sort of constants um but you know at the end of the day they're they're almost like magic strings if you will you know so i i guess i would also echo the 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 ORM um aspect of of getting and being able to read and work with cycore data in some sort of strongly typed object uh, definitely makes it makes your your front end code a lot cleaner. Whether there are Razor views or, you know, even in in web forms, um, you know, sub layouts, uh, all of your all of your field access to data coming out of Sitecore is, you know, nicely strongly typed items. It makes it makes for cleaner code on the, on the front end, um, and potentially be able to kind of hand that function off to maybe somebody that's not as strong on the Sitecore back end, uh, but you have a stronger front end developer able to, you know, they know where they can substitute different fields coming out of the content management system.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's an area where you, know, you have a few options, uh, you know, from the community, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, being able to work with plain old C-sharp objects. Mm-hmm. And especially now with Glass Mapper version 4, you can, you know, even put the mapping in a separate um uh, in a separate class, so you kind of maintain your your single responsibility of your your Poco to just be that data object and then put your mapping in a separate class and you can even um, in version four have the idea of delegates now to um, to do the mappings, which you know I think the original uh, site core ORM that you and I used was um, custom item generator from Valir. And, you know, the nice thing with custom item generator was that if you wanted, because you were just wrapping an item, if you wanted to create a property that kind of goes deep into the item or does something custom in the data it returned, um, it was pretty easy. And before delegates in Glass v4, that was kind of uh, difficult. So you had to create a a custom data mapper, which was uh, a a bit of work. Mm -hmm. So with, with v4, I think they've added a lot of... Um really nice new features to make it uh easier to work with and, and cleaner to work with for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, custom item generator takes me takes me back. Uh as a matter of fact, <laughs> I was actually working on a code base just the other day and I finally realized uh like wow, this is all old custom item generator stuff. So there's I, I you know, I know there's probably a fair amount of SIG code still running out there. So it was uh I'm sure definitely uh definitely innovative for its time. So we're kind of running up on time here, Nick. I guess uh, what I'd like to do is kind of give you a chance. Uh, you know, if people don't know where to find you, they're they're probably not googling for Sitecore stuff. But um, in case they haven't found you online, where 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 can folks reach you?
2: I'm I'm Techforia four one four on in on most of your uh, your developer social platforms, so Twitter, Stack Overflow, and the Sitecore Slack. Keep it in the four one four for now, even though I'm. I'm out of Milwaukee and moved on to the the eight two eight of Asheville
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and Tech foria That's uh, that's Fouria with a P
2: H. Correct. Correct. T e c h p h o r i a. The, the history of that handle I mean, can maybe come out in another podcast. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for being with us this time, Nick. And uh, for those of you uh, that had any other questions or want to check out show notes, uh, you can find those on the, the website and uh, we'll talk to you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of core sampler to see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit core There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.